work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. Hello guys, welcome to the Post Sunday Blues, um, a new podcast somehow I got roped into. Um, I'm Emily Anger, the wife of uh, pastor of Liberty Church Collingswood. Call me Reverend, thank you. This is Jim. <laughs> Greetings from the Feather Nest Inn at Route 38 and Cuthbert. Okay, really? Is this, this is the way the podcast is going to go. <laughs> we shall see. Okay. Um, no, we're sitting in Jim's office here. My 14-year-old my son, he told me when um, I was telling him we were going to start this podcast now, um, he was like, are you guys going to do a trial run of this first? And I was like, hmm. <laughs> We are one take Tonys over here. Yeah, yeah. So there's been no trial run, um, but we're gonna just jump right in. Um, Jim, the you have you've written these these intro little segments down, and you have house lights down as our intro segment every week. Uh, yeah, house lights down. On? So if you're at a nice little show, this is the post Sunday blues, a preaching post mortem. We're gonna have a few music themed segments here and there. Uh, or maybe all over the place. So house lights down, say you're at a club, you're gonna see a show that you're really excited about and you're milling about beforehand, maybe you grab a drink, you're talking to your friends. The band never comes out on time and you're getting a little antsy and a little more excited and then finally the house lights go down because you know that the show is gonna start and that's what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> Exciting times, guys. Uh, I just, yeah. Anyways, let's go, let's go on. So what exactly, can you tell us exactly what your vision for this podcast is? Yeah, I'd love to. Finally, somebody's asking me questions. This is, this is going to be a change of pace for me. I love it. So yeah, why we're doing this podcast is it's an extension of the ministry at our church, Liberty Church Collingswood, where I'm the primary preacher there. And what we want to do with this podcast is build some connection, as the front intro says, with message and messenger. So we're going to unpack the sermon a little bit, little sermon debrief after party backstage with the sermon, as the kids are calling it right now. But then also hopefully connect with me and with you and whoever else we have as interviewers and interviewees, because we want people to know that these sermons are embodied things preached by human beings and for the sake of Jesus, uh, for the Lord to use them to bring people closer to him. Then also, Bruce Springsteen, a singer-songwriter from New Jersey, uh, has talked about his ongoing relationship with his audience through the years as a conversation. I really like that word when I think about my own preaching ministry. I've been doing it for a little while now, maybe around 20 years, and I certainly internally for all of these years have considered preaching to be a conversation where I'm in relationship with people both at church and outside of church, and what I'm hearing, what I'm absorbing, what I'm listening to, uh, what I'm taking on, uh, that's part of the pot of gumbo that goes into every sermon where I'm, I'm listening and then reflecting and refracting back what I hear uh, in line with the scriptures. And then hopefully this podcast is a way to take another step in terms of conversations. We're going to have an email address to share with you. 
later in the show, and we hope that this will be just another way to continue the conversation as we are along the path of Jesus all together. That sounds fun. And then I get to uh, kind of be part of that. I, I'm actually enjoying that role, too. It used to be that Jim would not let me talk about his sermons until Tuesday because Mondays were such like this day where we needed to like take off a mental break. Yeah, um, it was the post-Sunday blues. Yeah, yeah. They're so, real. The struggle is real. <laughs> so now I get to deep dive on a Monday. Um, and bring, speaking of Mondays, that's the name of your next segment. Call it Stormy Monday. Call it Stormy Monday. Yeah, I, I, you know, most people do not like Mondays. I think that that's probably pretty universal, depending on your job. Uh, why this title? What's going on right. here? Right. So this is a classic blues song by T-Bone Walker and a number of other people. The blues tradition is great because you have this shared canon of work that people will take song titles, take verses, mold them into other songs, but then go back and rejoin the tradition. So Call It Stormy Monday is a set of blues songs where you sort of walk through the days of the week. And uh, the progression is that when the weekend comes, you've been working really hard. Most blues come from the Black South, and so you're either in slavery times or afterwards you're working super hard maybe you get a little bit of time off on the weekend Friday and Saturday but maybe you party a little too hard then you're in church on Sunday but then it all starts over again on Monday and so you call it stormy Monday also Fats Domino uh, his song Blue Monday which is maybe one of the greatest rock and roll songs of all time is another riff on calling it stormy Monday yeah and do you want me to jump in baby to uh, talking about the sermon from 24 hours ago yeah I mean I think you know connecting that concept uh, it is a retrospective a thinking about a thinking about um, why this sermon why why yesterday what what went on yesterday for those of you who um, might be tuning in I, you probably will also have to kind of summarize because I'm not sure everyone has listened to your sermon but well, I, I expect that everybody listening to this podcast will have listened to every second of every sermon I ever preached, so I'm going to disagree with that. But anyway, one thing about the sermon from this past Sunday was that it was also a sermon from Saturday. So I first preached a sermon at Liberty Mainline on Saturday evening and then came back across the Delaware River and preached it on Sunday morning, too. So at Liberty Collingswood, we're finishing up here a sermon series about community. That's our ministry emphasis for the year. A lot of reasons went into trying to emphasize community this year chief among them pandemic, when we're isolated, when we're worn down, when we're feeling fractured in various ways, political turmoil, uproar over racial injustice in our country. It's a time when we need each other. So we wanted to emphasize that in a particular way. And for the sermon series, for the most part from September till now, I've been keying things into a book by a pastor, I think he's in California, named Rusty George. Rusty George is the name of our second child as well, Rusty George Anger. And it's a book called Better Together, Discover the Power of Community. And this was chapter 12. It was about heaven. Home is pursued together. I will say about the book, the structure of the book I found really helpful. The structure of the book is great. And so I was looking for a resource that would give me some sort of systematic structure for thinking about how to break up community into bite-sized pieces. I'll say that the content of the book got worse as I went along. So Are you allowed to say that? I, well, the structure was really good, but... It seemed like he was maybe just trying to make a deadline or a book deal, so didn't really get a whole lot out of these later chapters personally, so I was freestyling a little bit, but the topic is great. How do we together as a community 
pursue heaven. Yeah, Rusty George, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Uh, do you know the type of preacher that's very like story based where you have like a, a beginning of a story at the beginning of the sermon, but then you leave it there, talk about a little f- few other things and you come back in the main body of the sermon I mean, to you the kind story. Of did that this and, week. <laughs> that is no, kind of totally you. <laughs> different. No, nope, didn't do that at all. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so we're talking about home as heaven being pursued together. And the sermon text uh, that I keyed this to was from the book of Hebrews, thinking about Abraham and Sarah, who, although they died in faith, they didn't receive what was promised. I'm reading from the scriptures here. But having seen and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth, for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. So in Jesus, just as Abraham and Sarah were seeking a land greater than just the promised land, so are we seeking that same land greater than our country, greater than real estate in the Middle East, uh, but the heavenly recreation that Jesus has promised to do when he comes back. So just thinking about how to orient ourselves to heaven. Okay. And just for the context a little bit before we move to the next subject, when I, just to insert my own thoughts here, um, when I think about Stormy Monday <laughs> in the context of what we're doing here, I, I am thinking we are, I just want to acknowledge the elephant in the room that we are in a crazy time period. This is not, if you're listening 10 years from now, which who knows, maybe you are, um, you it, just... The mental and emotional space of everyone, um, everyone in our world is is so um, it's it's so dark right now. Um, even though like bright light is shining through my window, um, we've been in pandemic for almost a year, and it feels like a, a very, very, very um, a time that I can't even describe. It's just as I like brought it up, I can't even find the words mm-hmm. to describe how. Um, how dark it's been feeling um and so the strife the strife that you're talking about um i think that your sermons are good because they they bring a focuser and they bring um, a sense of hope and um i'm i'm excited to jump in um the next section you have the otis rush to judgment and i know like all your blues artists kind of (laughs) blend together in my head uh, you you have to describe this to me. You have right. to tell me who so, Otis Rush is. So Otis Rush uh, grew up in the rural south, came to Chicago as part of one of the great black migrations in the mid-20th century, and started recording, first on Cobra Records, a smaller blues label in the Chicago area. Really great blues artist, not as well known as some of these others, but he has a great singing voice, great vibrato on his guitar. He's a left-handed guitar player, instantly recognizable. Not the fastest guitar player, but his tone is great. I actually saw Otis Rush in his later years, a few years ago, at a blues festival in Wilmington, Delaware. He was not in good shape, but it was great to hear songs that I've been listening to for decades now, performed live uh, close to the very end of his career. And why Otis Rush to Judgment? Just because his last name says Rush, and I needed something in that direction. So, yeah, let's rush to judgment. Yeah, so the concept of rushing to judgment, what what were the things that were burdening you to to speak on this Sunday? Um, what were you hoping that God would get across or God would use you to to speak um, this past week? What, what was going on? 
Yeah, so whether I'm tying a sermon series or a particular sermon to a book like Better Together by Rusty George or just going through a book of the Bible, it's rare when I don't come to a given week with already a Bible passage picked out or some pretty definite thing that I'm going to. So that's not left. There are some preachers that just wake up on Monday morning and say, what am I going to talk about this Sunday? Uh, that would make Mondays too stormy for me. So instead, I like having a little bit of structure. But thinking about heaven and the, the challenge there is that it's a, it's a hugely important category in Christian theology, but also something that's very future and something that's intangible, at least to us right now. And it risks being inert. So I was burdened to be able to communicate to people, whether or not they're already followers of Jesus, that thinking about heaven is something that would behoove them to do and help them in the present. And that's what God has graciously prepared for us. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think that it does speak to the hopefulness and um, thinking about spring and summer coming. There's also that parallel to having the bigger picture view of, of life right now. Um, okay, let's move on because I think we're, we're into the biggest portion, the part where um, this podcast starts to make sense even more. How does your sermon get made? That is a... a that's a question that a lot of people I think would have. I have it myself. Like, how do you sit down every week and um, and construct a service? So we're gonna talk in a, in four sections. Um, your your overall header for this section is Sun Studios. Explain that title to us. Famous old recording studio in Memphis, Tennessee. Blues music, country music, gospel music, all kinds. Howlin' Wolf, Elvis Presley. They all came through Sun Studios, San Phillips was the owner and impresario there. I would love to visit someday. I say we go right after this podcast then. Okay, so I see. So in your head, uh, your head, somewhere in your head, there's a studio and it's it's a classic studio. It's something where everything goes through it. And <laughs> <laughs> you have as your first intro, the B.B. King James version. B.B. Um, King, who is he? Uh, he might be a blues artist. Okay. Uh, and you used to just to say the King James version, which you don't use, but also true. <laughs> uh, tell us about the Bible passage. I know you spoke about it a little bit before, but um, what were what was the passage again? Right, it was Hebrews chapter eleven, verses eleven to sixteen, and then tacked on also Hebrews twelve, the first two verses one and two. So, yeah, the book of Hebrews is a really interesting one. It's in the New Testament. It's sort of a standalone thing. And one of the things that I love about the book of Hebrews is that it's sui generis. It sort of stands by itself. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, but it's its own thing. And it's unlike any other New Testament letter. So one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul, who wrote a ton of letters in the New Testament, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, etc., is that you can tell that for any one of his letters, as deeply as Paul is a practi practitioner, he's also a theologian, and we're getting just little bits of his overall theological program. With other New Testament letters, I don't always get that sense. So First and Second Peter, written by the Apostle Peter, James, written by the Apostle James. Those are great books. They're inspired scripture. I love them. But you can kind of tell that they're the equivalent of short order cooks, where they might be serving up good stuff, but it's not super complex. The book of Hebrews, on the other hand, is 
what do we want to say, like a great multi-course meal in Philly? Uh, oh. <laughs> Zahav? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zahav's the, the classic one. Sure. So it's it's a Michael Solomonoff level production where the theology of the book of Hebrews is, is very rich and deep. In my younger years, I was influenced thinking about the book of Hebrews by a commentary named by a commentary writer named William Lane, 1975, the same year that Born to Run came out. That's how I remember when that commentary was written. Uh, in the New International Commentary on the New Testament, the Nick Ninked series, a really good older commentary at this point on the book of Hebrews, and also an old Princeton Seminary professor from 100 years ago, Gerhardus Foss, put out this little book about the theology of the book of Hebrews. and. It's very famous among very few people, but in that little book, you encounter the Vossian Triangle on page 57 of the Whip and Stock reprint of the book, where, and I'll explain it. Should, should I explain the Vossian Triangle for uh, people that yeah, don't? Yeah, I, I, think, I think probably, as I'm blinking at you, like... <laughs> you can't wait to hear this. I love it. So, Vossian Triangle. So, the book of Hebrews spends a lot of time talking about Jesus' connection to the Hebrew scriptures, to the Old Testament, specifically the sacrificial system. You have the priests and Levites offering all of these sacrifices, and the theology of the book of Hebrews is such that says, in God's covenant of salvation, God, from the beginning of time, our triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, had a plan for redemption that would culminate in Jesus coming to earth, living with us, dying for us, and rising again. All of that crazy Old Testament sacrificial system was a copy of God's eternal idea about all of these things that then moved forward to Jesus by way of fulfillment. And so that's the book of Hebrews a little bit in general. And among the other reasons that I love the book of Hebrews is that it's very intentional about the structure of God's salvation, namely that we are in a spe specific period of time that will not be forever. We're living between Jesus coming the first time and Jesus coming the second time. So we are to be oriented ourselves to God's future fulfillment in Jesus. And that's why happen upon these passages as it relates to Rusty George, Better Together, chapter 12. And the verses that I chose aren't particularly challenging or hard to follow. The challenge with a sermon like this is how to limit the text, like Hebrews chapter 11 has a ton of different stuff in it. It's the by faith passage, right? Yep. Uh, where you have all of these Old Testament saints. I just narrowed it down to Abraham and Sarah, specifically because in the middle of the chapter, you have not only episodes and actions from Abraham and Sarah, but you have this aside that they were seeking the better country that is a heavenly one. So, so that was the connection point. And then I added verses one and two from chapter 12, because it brings the focus back to Jesus. One of the things that I always tell younger preachers is, hey, if you're preaching a Christian sermon, the center of the message one way or another, and there's a million ways under the sun to do this, they've got to be focused on Jesus crucified and resurrected. And I'm always crestfallen and disappointed when I hear a Christian sermon that doesn't have that climax point one way or another, and I want it to be explicit in the sermon text to make sure that we got it in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that that basis the foundation of of studying scripture and letting it speak and having christ there is um yeah i definitely see that as central to the way you're preaching um we're gonna move on to the next section muddying the waters i i understand that one that reference but the concept of um yeah how what was difficult about this sermon i know that not every sermon just comes as easily to you as others mm -hmm. so what what about this sermon was um fun or difficult or um what where was your brain this week 
yeah, so Muddy Waters, McKinley Morganfield from Clarksdale, Mississippi. And I don't know if you remember, but in the early 2000s, uh, well, I hope you remember this part. We went to Italy together. <laughs> Does that ring a bell in, a, in, in, in 2002? But before kids, we had a delayed honeymoon where got married in 99, didn't have any money to honeymoon anywhere. By the time we got to 2002, we had a couple nickels to rub together and turn into a euros. And we went to Italy and we probably took maybe 10% of the stuff that we've taken on trips with all of our kids. Oh yeah, I had one backpack. One, not like a, not like an outdoor hiking backpack, but like a, like an I'm going to take to high school backpack. Right. Yeah. So we were both one backpack. We did, we did laundry in the sink and this is before Kindle, before smartphones. I needed to bring stuff to read. And one of the few, I think I brought two books one of them i'm looking on the shelves i can't quite see it it's definitely in this room somewhere normally my organization system for my books is just for some context there are piles and stacks of books in the office some of them are you can't even see the back of the shelves because there are so many books right well the placement of every book means something just know that but i can't find it so anyway uh, Biography of Muddy Waters was one of the two books that I brought at the bottom of that backpack to Europe. I sweated through the backpack. Uh, your husband um, has, has a sweat problem. We yeah, can talk about that. that so anyway, um, I brought a sweaty copy of Muddy Waters Biography by Robert Gordon. And we actually saw him give a lecture about it at the borders in Chestnut Hill in oh, 2003. Oh, yeah. I remember being tied to that. Right. It was great. Uh, Robert Gordon is a great writer. He's written... Uh, multiple books primarily about memphis uh, also a fellow stutterer so i was i was encouraged to see him getting up front and speaking through his stutter so anyway muddying the waters uh, what was fun or difficult about this week sermon writing for me i don't normally get stuck and every every preacher is wired differently when it comes to sermon writing uh, there aren't many times where I feel I have no idea what to say. I just need to step away from the desk, do something else, and come back. The challenge more is midway through writing a sermon, I'll just think, hey, this is not very good. And I'm under no illusions that my preaching is awesome or that every week is at an equal level, whatever that level is. So the challenge this week, talking about heaven, was that it just seems really irrelevant <laughs> right now. And I, I tried to reference in the sermon uh, headlines versus heaven, like you were saying earlier, um, crazy year, crazy start to 2021 with the insurrection in Washington a week and a half ago. Uh, I like the discipline of forcing myself to stick to a schedule and therefore to talk about something that would not have been at the top of my list to talk about. So talking about the great by and by heaven uh, seems less relevant for a moment that's demanding so much of our attention. And so what I was trying to do in the sermon was figure out how to take something that might seem abstract and inert, even though I believe that it's real and it's precious to me, and show people that this makes a difference for right now. And it's not just like this abstract theological concept, but we actually need this. And even if you're examining Jesus and not there yet from a faith perspective, think about heaven as an engine and fuel for you to be able to engage your presence. So I was trying to dress up a subject that when last, and I guess at this point I start sermon prep two Fridays before I preach that didn't immediately grab me as something that that felt 
at the top of the list of necessary things to do. So some sermons are, you have a Bible passage, you have a topic that doesn't seem super interesting, but then you have to figure out how to make a way to get people come to the point where they're sitting there thinking, hey, this is something that is actually interesting, intriguing to me that I might need to think about more and move towards. And so that's how I muddied the waters a little bit myself yeah. uh, this past week. Yeah, it's 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 good to hear that you don't just stick with your plan and uh, push forward without trying to pull in pull in real life situations that are happening. Yeah, that, that's a normal process. And whether it's a Christian sermon or other types of talks and lectures, or even if you're in a conversation with somebody where the conversation is going nowhere, like you want to be in conversation or listening to somebody that has some awareness of like what's going on. Um, and I've, I've sat through too many of those conversations that just seem tone deaf. Um, and I'm not saying I'm amazing at being non-tone deaf, but at least it's worth a try. Yeah, and it's been harder this season. I know you've spoke about this to me personally, that when you walk in, uh, on a Sunday morning to church, you're not, you don't have an audience anymore. <laughs> no. So just getting the feedback from, from figuring out what people are thinking, what people are feeling, that's trickier. Yeah, one of the analogies that we've used at Liberty Collingswood a good bit is that we're data poor right now. I think at some sermon recently talked about how it's a little bit like sports writers that don't have access to the locker room after games. Just watched uh, the Saints lose again in the playoffs uh, to uh, Tom Brady who's Emily's personal hero. But, uh, <laughs> just kidding. But um, uh, yeah, but you don't get that locker room access afterwards. So after sports games now, you just have a couple of pre-selected athletes on Zoom that take a couple of questions from reporters, but you don't get the feel of the locker room. You don't get the off-the-record comments. You don't know who's happy, who's unhappy, what the vibe is, who's battling nagging injuries that are real and important but don't show up on the injury reports. Yeah, pastoral ministry is a similar data-poor season, and I feel that in my preaching for sure. For those that haven't been to Liberty Collingswood before, like at this point we're about like a 5,000-person church on a, on a Sunday morning. <laughs> 10,000? At least, and it's worse. Oh, worse might be too strong. It's definitely different walking into an empty space, and part of that's realistically ego on my part, but then part of it's just kind of sad, another another recognition point that things are not the way that they should should be right now so so it is a different challenge to try to find ways to creatively engage myself uh and hopefully other people in a season where preaching feels pretty different yeah i'm actually hopeful that this this podcast if, if people are listening and engaging with it, it that you guys use this as a space to um shoot a message to jim we're gonna tell you our email address in a little bit um and kind of give Give us some feedback, give you some feedback. Uh, where is your heart right now? What's going on in your life? As he just, you don't have that personal one-on-one -on -one feedback anymore. Um, anyways, let's move on to bar band cover tunes. I know you love the cover bands. So <laughs> you um, already, this is a segment where you're gonna talk about your references because I probably have missed them uh, most of the time. Like. Micah, Micah catches them. Micah, our 15-year-old son, 15, 14, 15. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he catches them and then eye rolls. So um, we're going to unpack those Easter eggs for us, for you here. Bar band cover tunes. What covers did you hit? Right. So just for the record, I love cover bands. I think it's great to be able to hear songs interpreted from 
different artists and friends around oh, who me. Who was the Bruce Springsteen cover band that you played for me the other oh, day? Oh, that's right. So Bruce Springsteen, Letter to You. There was an awesome article in njpen.com reflecting on Letter to You this past fall. I'd, I'd commend it to people. But there was an Italian Bruce Springsteen cover band. The name escapes me, but they recorded Bruce's new album live, and it was the first time that I've seen those songs performed. I actually and played it for you and said, hey, here's Bruce playing his songs live. And you said, yeah, sounds pretty good. But it wasn't Bruce. It was <laughs> you got some, me. Itali some Italian guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. Right. So, 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 so the only uh, cover tune that I don't want to hear is Mustang Sally. I've heard that way too much in sweaty bars and festivals. My standard comment about Mustang Sally is the only person that at this point I want to see live perform Mustang Sally is Wilson Pickett, and he's dead. So please know Mustang Sally around here but besides that we're good a couple of references and, and i my preaching sermons are not just about me but references are a way that the preaching process been doing this a lot of years baby stays interesting and fresh to me so yeah let me just go through and we can hit a couple of the references and see how many am yeah, you how, caught or how not many Easter eggs did we catch? Right. i would tell you all of them but i left my notes downstairs okay so i said <laughs> At one point in the sermon, we need to listen to our secular prophets, uh, even if we think as late modern people that you know, afterlife heaven doesn't exist. It might be a nice thought, but we're modern people. We see the material world as real and anything that's not in the material world that can't be seen through a telescope or a microscope isn't worth our time and thought, perhaps. Uh, but then I said, well, there's plenty, particularly artists who would have self-identified in the 20th and 21st centuries as secular, who yet said that there is something more to the world than what we can see here and touch, including Leonard Bernstein, who at one point said when he hears great music or art, he thinks of heaven. Leonard Bernstein, not a person of faith, something that we can trust and order behind things that will never let us down. A couple things about this Bernstein quote. Uh, for starters, uh, sometimes when I do quotes, they're things that I actually read myself. Uh, as a primary source, but then other times I encounter it in different places. Uh, Mr. Googly is sometimes helpful with such things, uh, but I found this quote from a book by Tim Keller, pastor in New York, about preaching. And Tim Keller, in our circles at least, is quoted so much that sometimes during sermons I actually don't say that I got this quote <laughs> because Tim Keller quoted it in a book. I don't want to be a walking cliche like that. So this was a uh, Tim Keller reference. Uh, one time I was preaching years ago, and I think I quoted from C.S. Lewis, whom I also quoted from yesterday, and I paused and said, this was a guest preaching gig, not at my church. I said, yep, yeah, I just quoted C.S. Lewis. Later on in the sermon, I'll put Tim Keller and J.R.R. Tolkien so we can just get the trifecta for you so that you can know you're in good hands. And I kept going, but then the assistant preacher came up to me after church and said, hey, that comment about Keller Lewis and Tolkien really hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> he said, we do, we, we do yeah. quote these people in the room. And I, I just kind of said, hey, Lewis is great. Tolkien's great. Keller's great. You're great, buddy. Don't worry about it. So, anyway, this I mean, is, you, are, you are quoting from them, so. Uh, explicitly. I'm saying that right now, yes. <laughs> So also the, the Bernstein quote, I think this is a bogus quote. So one of the things that I appreciate about Tim Keller's writing in general is when I read Keller and either am familiar with some of the sources he's quoting or go back and look at the source that he's, quote, that he's quoted, 
I can see that Keller has treated that original source material well and with integrity. But then there are other Christian writers over the years where they'll quote something and it does seem like Mr. Googly has been at work or like a wiki quotes thing where I might know about what they're quoting and I'm like, wait, that author didn't actually believe that at all sort of thing. Keller is one of the good guys when it comes to this stuff, but I didn't go back and check for this podcast. But when I originally looked up that reference in the book, the way that it was quoted, the way where the quotation marks incorporated some stuff but not other stuff, the reference was a little vague. And so I'm giving Tim Keller the benefit of the doubt. I did quote Bernstein from Keller this Sunday, but it made me think, hmm, I wonder, did, did Tim play a little fast and loose with this Bernstein quote? Maybe our listeners can get to the bottom of this ministry. So that, uh, of this mystery, the ministry of mystery, the mystery of ministry. So yeah, Bernstein, Edna O'Brien is an older Irish writer at this point, but a contemporary writer years ago, I read a short story collection by her called Saints and Sinners, and I said in the sermon that she's, I think, not a person of faith, and her characters aren't people of faith, but there's a persistent heaven-hauntedness to her characters, and I quoted one of them talking about how at the end of her life she wants to set out again to find a better place, a bluish realm, to live our lives over again, happy, trusting, and free of shame. To me, that's another how God has created us, how we're wired to yearn towards and think about heaven. Uh, so yeah, 10 years ago I read that book and periodically in sermons I come back to this quote because I really do think it speaks to something that's persistent within the human heart. And no Brian connection, one of my other favorite writers who died recently, Robert Stone, reading a biography of him right now, including last night, I was reading some Robert Stone bio. And after the Saints game. After the Saints game, because he needed some consolation, so I turned to a biography about a uh, drunken, miserable writer who nonetheless told dark truths about our world. So Robert Stone, the biography, was reading over break in Western PA with my brother and his family about how his wife at one point was taking a transatlantic flight and took as her companion a book by Edna O'Brien. So... Connections. Am I the nexus point between Edna O'Brien you and must Robert be. Stone? You must be. Totally we're literature, am. music, and uh, random. <laughs> it's a grand unification theory of, of all knowledge. Also quoted C.S. Lewis miracles. That's the I think the only C.S. Lewis book that I've read. I, <laughs> I joke about C.S. Lewis and Tolkien that everybody else has read all those books, so I don't need to. Uh, you've read a couple more C.S. Lewis books. I read you? all of them when I was in high school. I that was a go-to. I I read them over and over and over again. Right? Yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's great. <laughs> uh, and so Lewis, in the connection, thinking about the turmoil of the First and Second World Wars, said that a Christian view of heaven actually incentivizes people to serve their world in the present. He wrote at the end of one of the passages that I referenced, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in, aim at earth and you will get neither. Yeah. So I also enjoyed referencing a couple of science fiction things this week. I, yeah, I caught that one. That's the one I actually caught. Okay, so... <laughs> the literature, the music, uh, you know, kind of... I, I was focusing on other things, Right. I got the Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, so, so the, the Liberty Lead team has put together a Liberty preaching sheet that, that, that we're sharing with folks to sort of get our DNA when it comes to sermons. It's a top-secret document. Can't really share it. But one of the things that it says is that we want to have both engagement and references with high culture and low culture uh, to be able to hit, to hit both channels. We don't want to Wait, only... Wait, you're, you're calling Battlestar Galactica low culture? Is that what I'm getting? Oh, 
well, that, that that's squarely middle brow, much like myself. So I, I'm I'm the fat middle brow of of culture for sure. Uh, so anyway, uh, some like non-highfalutin stuff. Battlestar Galactica. Uh, did you actually watch Caprica with me as well? I started and then was like, eh. It was really slow. So so the Battlestar Galactica reboot in the early 2000s, one of my favorite shows. I watched it first by myself, watched it again with Emily. Tried to watch it with our boys, but they just couldn't get into it. They said the, the special effects are not very good. <laughs> well, Next our, generation. our sons are not very good, so... Uh, but anyway, it was, it, it was a great show, and one of the ongoing themes, not just in Battlestar Galactica and Caprica, but how do we continue consciousness and existence past death? So I reference that as another, another tell point for, even though we're modern people, uh, what happens after we die is something that's still very much on our minds. Yeah, I think all these, all these references, they do uh, help, help it help your sermons be not just about like what what's going on in your brain which obviously this podcast is unpacking the <laughs> mysteries of your brain uh but it's good to know that you're you're um using other people's observation about humanity about heaven to inform um our reflections on on these topics so i i appreciate that um i look forward to knowing more about your your references because again i don't always get them um <laughs> The, the last section of Unpacking Sun Studios is Guitar Slim Pickens. So it, I think that this is the uh, hodgepodge section where we get the story behind the sermon, any, any kind of fun trivia bits or things that you wish that you had said but you hadn't, um, things you, you might uh, have regretted saying. I don't know. Yeah, I, I regret plenty that I say. I'll say with Guitar Slim Pickings, Guitar Slim, a Louisiana blues artist, uh, not super famous, but has recorded some sides that are near and dear to my heart. Great singer, great songwriter, great blues guitarist. Yeah, a couple quick things here. Uh, one is that when I was preaching at Liberty Mainline this sermon on Saturday night, I, I don't write out my sermons manuscript-wise, and they always run the danger of forgetting to say stuff. So I don't know if you caught M in the sermon from Sunday morning. Uh, at one point in the sermon, I said that we're heaven haunted, but then at the end of the sermon said that we're heaven hunted. Uh, just as like a nice little inclusio couplet for the fans. I forgot to say midway through the sermon, the heaven haunted part. So it was just like stuck in my craw for the other like 15 minutes of that sermon that like my heaven hunted line is not going to land. Everything's terrible. <laughs> And unlike this podcast, we can't go back and start over again. No, we so might do that. it was real time. And yeah, it was just a big problem, big problem. Other thing with guitar slim pickings, thinking of references, there is one other reference that was fun for me to sneak in there. It's actually from Transformers. So there is a I, I Transformers reference. Uh, if you know a little bit of, if you don't know anything about Transformers, you're not going to get it. If you only know. Optimus Prime and Megatron, you're probably not going to get it. But if you know a little bit more than that, uh, you might be able to spot the reference. I mean, I'm a mom of boys. I know a little more than that, but I, I didn't spot this one. Okay. Well, maybe our listeners will. Oh, you're leaving a teaser. Good job, Jim. Sweet. <laughs> not, not unpacking all the Easter eggs for us. <laughs> Everyone, I'm sure, is going to be rushing to re-listen to the sermon on this very stream. Right. 
um, to see if they can get the Transformers reference. Maybe maybe next time. Um, yeah, th this has been fun. We're gonna. This is our last section. It's called Encore. Um, Encore is more self-explanatory than some of your other more obscure references. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I want to say is that we'd love to hear from people who are listening. Um, I think at the start, who knows who's listening? I, that's number one. We'd love to know if you're listening. Hi, Mom. <laughs> I, oh, is your mom really going to listen to this? I don't know. Um, I think, you know, where, where is this podcast going to go? We've kind of covered a lot today, and um, we're going to be informed by listening back to this ourselves, um, but also from hearing listener feedback. So Jim made me the secretary of this podcast. Just kidding. Um, create a Gmail for uh, listener feedback. The listener feedback email is postsundayblues at gmail.com. Um, Post Sunday Blues at gmail.com. Right now, it's an empty email box, unlike yours. How many emails do you have unread in your email box? Tens of thousands. Yeah, but Everyone means something to me. Anyways, so um, we don't have feedback from listeners, obviously, because there have not been listeners yet. Um, but I will say that uh, as soon as your sermon was over, our 11-year-old daughter, Jessie, looked up and said, that was faster than usual. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think was actually not true, number one. <laughs> but number two was probably positive feedback. Well, I'll take that. That's, that's the best feedback that I've gotten from any of my kids ever. Yeah, usually we have, um, we have some yawning and snoring and blank, blank looks. And one very cuddly nine-year-old. Right. Well. We miss you. We miss you in our, as we're watching in our living room. And it used to be that uh, the 15-year-old the and 17-year-olds would make fun of Jim's... Uh, references as we watched your pre-recorded sermons and now when I was in the room watching too yep yep but now we just watch dad on the screen and throw tomatoes right um do you have any last minute howlin wolves comments oh you need to explain howlin wolves yeah so so we are calling our emails from listeners not just emails from listeners but howlin wolves so howlin wolf towering blues figure chess records 50s into the 60s uh, maybe the best blues vocalist of all time. And when Sam Phillips at Sun Studios first heard Howlin' Wolf sing, he said, this is where the soul of man never dies. So you would want to be in that number. Join our Howlin' Wolves, give us that email. And also just to give a preview about next week real quick, baby. So this coming Sunday, we're not gonna have a traditional sermon. It's gonna be a dialogue with me and maybe one or two other people who've been small group leaders at Liberty Collingswood this year, I'll be interviewing them about community a little bit more and what they've experienced by way of community and their small groups. So there's not going to be a preaching post-mortem from that because it's going to be more of a dialogue. But my idea here is that for this coming week and then periodically as one-offs after that, we'll take those one-off Sundays or one-off weeks to give various like deep dives about different things uh, so not going through a specific sermon but hey Jim how do you think about uh, using references how do you think how do you write a sermon how do you commit it to memory or that sort of thing and I figure that because we're just starting out on this podcast this coming week will be a secret origin story of Jim as a preacher Ooh, sounds fun I've heard that story I've, I've you were there I was I played was a big there. part I was, I was part of that story that will be fun to talk about I uh 
this actually is kind of feeling like when we do premarital counseling for other like couples um only this podcast land so unpacking some of those stories from the past is something that i'm looking forward to doing it'll be fun <laughs> some Good reminiscing from the the office space here um yeah so i hope you've enjoyed this podcast uh we are looking forward to your feedback at post blues dot or at gmail.com and we're gonna close with <laughs> my phrase to you which was constructed by jim so how was it that was amazing thanks so much for joining us this has been the post sunday blues a preaching post-mortem production of liberty collingswood go ahead rate review and subscribe and you can find all things liberty collingswood at libertycollingswood.org no more post sunday blues here comes some pre-sunday happy Mm -hmm.